What's up, everybody? What's going on, my faithfully led tribe? How you doing? This is your host, Sean. And again, once again, I'm coming back to you with another incredible guest today. And let me tell you something, before we get started and I'll talk about the guest that I have today, go ahead and like and subscribe to you hit the like and subscribe button on there, wherever you hit, listen to your podcast. And uh, if, you know, if you're on iTunes, go ahead and give us a rating and then go ahead and give us a comment because it definitely helps out the ministry. So that way the ministry gets out there and other people can hear what we have to say, especially for the men out there who are really struggling, who need to get, hear this message. And it's all about God. It's all about doing God's work. It's all about doing what God put in our hearts and get, achieve our God-given destiny. So today I have, my, I have with me Ellis Lucas. Ellis Lucas, he's got a really, really incredible story. I mean, I'm just looking over this stuff that, you know, he sent me and we're, we're talking about it. It is insane. He's, he's a speaker. He's also an author. His book is called The Potter and the Clay, and he does a lot of ministry, especially in the prison system. So, but with that, Ellis, thank you for the, coming to the show. I really appreciate you, brother. Sean, it's, it's my, my great privilege there. Thank you for having me. No, man, thank you. And, and, and man, this is like, man, like I said, I, I was going over your stuff, man. I mean, in 97, you know, you were, you know, in, was it Clay County, Missouri? You know, you were in jail and, you know, like what the SWAT teams came in. Why don't you give us, why don't you go ahead and tell your story about that and, and let people know what, what happened? Wow. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it was, um, it was March, uh, it was early March, uh, March 6, 1997, when I did get saved there. But, um, man, this was following a tumultuous storm that had broke loose in my life. Just, I mean, probably five years this thing was going on. It began with the passing of my mom, just radical Christian lady. I mean, she was the only Jesus I had in my life. And, um, man. And from there, it was, uh, you know, I, I went through a divorce. And um, from there, uh, I went to live in, uh, up on my dad's farm there in an old farmhouse that uh, nobody had really lived in that house for quite some time. And uh, the the north uh, basement wall was kind of, it, it, it collapsed in. And it was really just a matter of time for the whole thing fell in, really. But... Uh, Anyhow, but it was home. It was just the only place that I had to go right there. I was a uh, man really in a, a dark place in my in my mind at the time and broken. Oh, man, Sean, you talk about hurting. I mean, hurting. I mean, hurting beyond what you can, you can, most people can imagine, you know, the emotional pain. But anyhow, uh you know, during this uh, this time of staying in this old farmhouse there, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd got a new car and it was, I thought, man, this is, there was some kind of, something good going on, but I got, got, a, got out there and four hours later, I got stoned out of my mind and I hit a bank head on at 70 mile an hour, flipped it end over end out through a cornfield and just, uh, just a few weeks after that on, uh, cold November night and a big snowstorm up there in northwest Missouri uh you know this a cat that I had you know tried to shoot I mean I'm not proud of that I, I'm an animal lover I love all I, I can't even step on a bug without it bothering me most of the time but um but this cat reminded me of my my former wife 
and her had a cat, and this cat looked just like that cat and acted like it. And so it was just, uh, I, uh, but anyhow, uh, that cat woke me up in the middle of the night, going running up in the back of the couch and jumping down into my, jumping down into my stomach, just had all four claws just dug deep in me and just right in my face staring and just screaming at me and just, and anyhow, when I finally woke up, uh, man, there was flames all around me, and I just got out of there and um, just in time. And anyhow, but I got out and I didn't have anything on, so I had to fly back in and get. I found I found my pile of clothes that I had on the night before. I got out of there, and uh, that house burned all the way to the ground, and you know, fell into the basement. And uh, wow. Um, all except for one room. There's one room that didn't burn, and that that was a room where I had all my mom. My mom had put together all these priceless family treasures, you know, and stuff, and and uh, that she had collected for me before she passed. And you know, that's the only room that didn't burn. And um, so I I still I still had the things that really mattered. But from there, I uh, you know, it was a up and down winter and different things trying to trying to survive homeless basically at that point in my life. And, you know, when the springtime rolled around, I'd, I'd got a job and I, I don't know how I got it, to be honest with you. I, I don't know how I passed the drug screen, but somehow I did. And anyhow, so uh, I wound up going down to stay at a, at a, a home down in Kansas city where I knew the people. And uh, um, it was, it was a massive, you know, methamphetamine operation going on down there. And, uh, um, but, you know, my thought was, well, I think I can, I just need a couple of weeks. I can have my stuff together. I can get out of here and get me some kind of a place and hopefully get my life turned around. But not so, not so. I, uh, I stayed there for, you know, a total of, of six days. And, uh, you know, when the SWAT team came in and just destroyed that place. And I mean, just literally leveled the whole place. This is in an upper, upper middle class neighborhood in, you know, Gladstone, Missouri. And, uh, you know, we were all taken to jail and um, we were processed in one and taken over to the Clay County, Missouri jail where we were processed in and booked. And, um, you know, we were charged with manufacturing methamphetamine with Tent to distribute, and with all the, there was guns in the house. I mean, there's everything in the world, but they were, we were looking at 15 years to life, is what we were told, wow. if convicted. And so they, uh, and they had, you know, I'd moved that lab with my bare hands twice. I'd touched everything in that whole, anything it had to do with what was going on. I touched it and handled everything, and. Lived there for six days, and the place had been under surveillance for several months. And anyhow, by all accounts, it should have been an open and a shut case. But uh, anyhow, but uh, not so, not so. Um, and just to back it up even further, there, Sean, I'd, I'd lived over two decades of my life before that, just slowly, you know, slowly, just making my way down this downward spiral into a life that was just so utterly, utterly destroyed that uh, by this time, by March 6, 1997, there was no hope. Life was over. Um, 
there wasn't anything I wrote in my book, The Potter and Clay, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't have put back to pieces, you know, of my life there at that point. Uh, I saw no hope. But for that whole decade, that whole two decades there, I literally believed in my heart. I lived with the uh, just, uh, you know, despairing reality that I did not believe that God loved me. I mean, there's many people out there that feel like that. I mean, you know, I felt like, you know, I was just too bad. I had finally just uh, crossed some threshold there, and it didn't matter what I did. There was no place for me in God's in God's in God's home, his kingdom. And it didn't matter what I did. I could not be saved. And I lived with that fear for the, over two decades. And it just, desperate, desperate people do desperate things. And that's a desperate way to live your life when, when you don't believe that there's any hope. And my greatest fear was never the fear of God. It was the fear of spending, you know, eternity, you know, forever damned in hell. and. Um, you know, just the thought of eons and eons and eons and eons and eons of centuries after centuries after centuries without one second of let up and not one second closer to the end of eternity just was utter torment during that whole that whole time there. And when you're living with that kind of a frame of mind, when you actually believe you're hopeless like that all the time, and it, it hurts. I mean, you know, you're you're living with the fear, you know, the, well, the emotions of rejection, just abandonment, you know, and that, that fact, that's where the word, that's where the title wanted came from, from my new book. But, you know, you just feel hopeless and, you know, isolated, alone, lonely. Right. And yet you know that when the end finally does get here, whatever time you got that, you know, the real suffering begins. And that's what I lived with. But, you know, on March 6, 1997, we spent 20 hours over there in the Clay County, Missouri jail there uh, after they booked us in, processed it and everything. And so, anyhow, during that 20-hour that period, I just, that's where I was sitting there trying to think who I could even call. You know, who who is there out there, you know, who could help me now? And, man, I had burnt every bridge. I had destroyed every reasonable relationship you know and and it seemed like I sat there for eternity there Sean just trying to think of anybody and man brother I'm telling you there was nobody I couldn't think of a single human being left on this planet anywhere that even liked me let alone that would you know be willing to help me in this uh in this in this predicament you know and so um it was you know, it was the end of the road. My life was over. But it was, you know, when I finally come to the conclusion, when I when I realized that I can't think of anybody, there's nobody. Right then, that's the first time I ever heard the the voice of Jesus Christ. It's the first time I ever heard Jesus speaking to me. You know, the Word of God says that my my sheep, they know my voice. They hear me. You know, they follow me. They know me well. You know, that's the first time that I'd ever heard the Lord speak to me. And the first thing he said to me that day was, Ellis, I love you. You know, wow. I've always loved you. I'm here for you. And I've always been here for you. But Ellis, you've been running all your life. You know, and um, Ellis, I can help. I'm the only one that can help you. 
But also, if you will trust me in this day, listen, I have a plan for your life, you know? And so, uh, you know, two things was really wrestling going through my mind was either, you know, I either I have completely lost my mind completely here at this point, or, or I'm sitting there having a conversation with God. And um, time alone would tell because this was something I didn't know right there. I didn't understand, you know, I didn't know that. And I wouldn't know that for another four and a half months. But the Lord had told me right there that Ellis, if you'll trust me, you're not going to prison. I have other plans for your life. And that's where things get interesting there, Sean. And um, that's really probably what set my my story apart and what really that's where this whole ministry grew out of was this this testimony and what happened next man i mean that's, that's pretty serious it's pretty deep man and you know for a, for you to be able to really discern that you know in that moment to know that that was god talking to you because god talks to everyone in different ways in different you know at different times and lets us know what his purpose for us in our life is and to be at your like you know there's so many people out there especially men who are at that moment like right now and sit there yeah and say, you know what I, i'm at this point where i i either want to just end it all or i do i just mm. move on how do i do wow. that you know and, and so, oh, like, so what did you do what what did, what after that after you heard that what what called you to just you know say hey man i'm gonna move forward and and what was god talking to you well, it, it was a little bit more dramatic than that, uh, <laughs> because you know, you know, the Lord said, "Else, look, you know, if you trust me here, you're not going to prison. I have a plan for your life." And you know, and, and like I said, I, I didn't know for sure. One of, th I knew one or two things were happening. Either I'm having a conversation with God, or I have literally just. You know, I've had a mental breakdown and I, you know, <laughs> but if there was such a peace, I mean, it was totally something different here. I mean, I absolutely had no fear at that moment. I didn't care anymore. Whatever was going on, I was good. If I was crazy, I'm good. It didn't matter. Um, but, you know, but the Lord said, I was like, I got a plan for your life. And I just, what kind of plan could you have for my life now? I mean, and, and furthermore, Lord, if this is you, then I know that you know where I'm at right now why I'm here mm -hmm. and everything else I've ever done in my life. If this is you, then that would validate that everything everybody's ever told me about you is true. And why would you even have, why would you even care about me right now? I mean, it's the last place on earth I could think of that you would want to be, you know, you'd want to have an encounter with God, but, Listen, anywhere you have an encounter with God is a good place. It doesn't right. matter. Amen. Amen. And, yeah. uh, but he said, Ellis, look, you're not going to prison. And I had a number of things. I mean, I owed this $41,000 IRS debt. And I wrestled with him over that. And he said, look, I'll take care of that. And then it was the job. I just had that job for two months. And uh, look, Ellis, not only will you not lose this job, I guarantee you, I'll make you number one at work. But even despite all that, I mean, you know, I was just so wore out. I just couldn't. There was just no way. I mean, I was, I had nothing and no one out there. I just, I had no reason to want to live. And, 
but he knew what was going on inside of me and then he said Alice look you'll trust me here I will restore all the love that was ever taken from you if you'll trust me and then he had my attention there because you know right there you know uh, the Bible says you know abide these three faith hope and love love is the greatest one listen when you're when you find yourself uh, hopeless you're going to prison for the rest of your life right there and you can't think of a single human being anywhere that even likes you it is a loneliest feeling yeah absolutely in, in, in the world and you know that's when you know when it dawned on me that you know the greatest fear I had the greatest thing going on in my heart at that point was relationships you know and stuff my need for you know for that it, that had been missing in my life for so long but uh i i didn't know sean um it was the middle of july it was four months later a little over four months when my dad got a call and uh um my dad and me had a very 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 i mean very bitter relationship and anyhow but he got a call and my lawyer said look i need you to come to kansas city and you and Ellis and something, you know, I, we can't talk about it on the phone. I need you to just be in my office and I'll do my best to describe, you know, to, you know, to uh, clue you in then. So we get down there into his office and walk in and, man, there's, you know, three or four other big old, you know, big square jaw, big suit and ties. And I mean, I'm thinking this ain't good. What This can't be good. and Anyhow, he says, well, sit down. I want to just try to talk to you and um, try to express to you. He said, the best I can, but uh, basically, I don't I don't know how to explain it because the D, you know, the prosecuting, the, the prosecutor, they, nobody seems to have an answer for it, but they're going to drop the charges on Ellis because they, they don't have any evidence. They don't have a crumb of evidence. They couldn't find a single friend. They couldn't find a single fingerprint of his in that whole house. Wow. And that's when there came the voice again. Now, do you believe? Whoa. That's, that's amazing, man. And, and we, I've heard stories similar to this, you know, where, you know, God really just stepped in and just put this, like this veil where they couldn't see, you know, what was going on and, and people have just been walked away and, and, and it's real. It's real. It's a hundred percent real. You know, God is, that's God, you know, stepping in and stepping in control and saying, hey, you know, I've got bigger plans for you. So how do you go out there and show other people that were in your situation or in a similar situation that you were in and show them that this is real, that this is, this is God? I mean, your story is very compelling, but what do you do as Ellis and saying, hey, I got you, brother, and, and, and this, is, this is not going to happen. How do you go ahead and show, share with them the love of the Lord? Yeah, well, you know, my story, I mean, this whole story broke out. That's how this ministry got started all those years ago, 20-some years ago now. And um, anyhow, it wasn't just that there was no fingerprints, but I'd moved that lab with, I, I mean, I'd been there for six days living there. Mm -hmm. They couldn't find a crumb of evidence that other than, I was there when they raided it. They'd watch me come and go. Um, uh, and then by the end of the year, 
this IRS debt disappears. And um, I mean, it's all in my book, the details, all the details of how all this stuff happened. Four years later, then through a whole ton of other events, I'd be, you know, I not only stayed with that job for the next four years, but through a bunch of other things, I wound up taking a job with Estes Express Lines. And, um, but with, you know, almost a year after I went to work for them, and it's a long story, but uh, they bought out GI Trucking from Missouri, California, and everybody had to, you know, rehire the ones that they kept. And, and so all that time I'd been just by myself, I kept my truck at home in Northwest Missouri. This whole thing there, that made me the number one driver of work down there in Kansas City, number one. Right. Anyhow, but that's not really what I tell people. You know, I tell people that there's a reason why we get into these circumstances. You know, people are bound by so many things there, Sean. And I mean, I know addiction, alcoholism, anger, those are wretched, man. Those are hard. Yes. But the most gripping thing and the most hardest thing to break free from is fear and doubt. And self-doubt is a is a brutal one when we don't when we don't have any value in ourselves. It's really, really hard. And we we commence yeah, we commence to just living our lives in fear because we don't believe in ourselves. We have zero confidence, you know. And the longer that, you know, the longer we wrestle with these negative emotions in our lives, the more they call the shots for us, you know, and the more they control our lives. Alcohol and addiction for me was just self-medicating the, you know, the after effects of all this fear and doubt that had just accumulated over the years of my life that led to a venomous anger. And I mean, um, you know, uh, but on March 6, 1997, I, I, I use this analogy, you know, people, you know, I talk to people in so many different pickles today and so many different predicaments and, you know, and, and people, they want to talk to me. They see my story, they read that and they say, well, that, that's crazy. That doesn't happen. That can't happen. It's impossible. Well, you know, I don't know what part they're wrestling with because, I mean, you can't, you can't change history. I mean, this is documented history. I mean, my wife went and when I was writing my autobiography, she went to the she went to the courts and thank God she saved the seven hundred bucks because I had a lawyer that was going to give me all these records for seven hundred. <laughs> she went down and got them for free. Wow. But she has all these pinpoint accurate documentations of this whole thing for the IRS. You know the you know the the felony conviction, drug conviction, it was just dismissed. I mean, she, we've got all those records, but, you know, um, I tell people that, do you think on March 6, 1997, that, you know, that I spent that 20 hours, you know, planning out how I was gonna become the president of His Heart United Network of Christian Ministries, a Colorado, Missouri nonprofit organization, or, a, you know, how me and my, I was going to be married to a beautiful, beautiful wife. How, you know, we was going to, you know, had all these things going to, that I'd be on national, international television, giving an account for my life or anything, or on these prestigious podcasts and shows like yours there, Sean's and 
uh, recording music with members of Kelly Clarkson's and Mandisa's band and my yeah. own stuff and this, that, and the other, which, uh, by the way, they can go to the media page at EllisLucas.com and listen to three of those for free. No, I wasn't thinking. My life, at all, it was over. It was over. But eyes not seen, ear has not heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. Amen. I, there was no, I didn't have the, I didn't have the capacity to see beyond those you know, those four gray walls, that steel door and concrete floors that was, you know, that was home to me now. There was no way there was, I knew that I'd moved everything. You know, I knew that there wasn't even a prayer. There was no way. And if this turned out to be a federal deal, like I was told, which it, it, it was later turned, found out that it was a state deal, I thought, you know, federal deals, there's no negotiating or anything my life is over but no you know and the you know the fingerprints they couldn't find a single crumb of evidence and i wrestled with that for two years and i said lord i don't understand what happened to the fingerprints eventually after two years and just after i got saved i couldn't read enough i mean i was just devouring the bible it was just and there it was second corinthians five seventeen. There it was. For those, there's no more condemnation for those in Christ. For you are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. And the Lord said, there is us. There's no evidence you, you know. Amen. There was no evidence in there. Do you understand that when Satan comes before me, that's how it is with me. Where's the evidence? Well, listen, you are washed in the blood. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And while, you know, you can just chew around on whatever's going on with the fingerprints and you know i may never know what he did what happened to the fingerprints but that's what that's the message jesus that's what god wanted me to understand there is uh, you don't have a past okay it's been cast out as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered anymore so you know uh this whole story i mean i i mean it's just uh there were certain dates that all these promises were fulfilled. I mean, pinpoint dates and different things. That's what makes my 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 story stand out, you know, apart from from most. And what really gives people hope is they see that and they realize that I don't have an answer for that one. You know, that had to be a miracle. And and um, I went to great measures in the Potter to claim my biography there to tell people that look. You know, despite everything that happened in my life, I'm not a signs and miracles and wonders guy. God does what he does because of, for his own reasons. You know, what he did in my life is not a blueprint for, for hope and healing for everybody. It's an individual personal relationship that we all have with him. God's going to do what he's going to do in your life. What he did in my life there doesn't, you know, doesn't nor has it ever, ever you know, set me aside as special or something like that. It only speaks to the depravity of where my life was at the time being. And the fact that I did not believe God loved me. And that was the first thing the Lord set free when he came in there. So I do love you. I've, I've always loved you. You, you know, I've always been here for you. Mm. You know, every time another piece of my heart 
another piece of my life would be ripped away from me, gone forever, relationships, you name it. When I was younger, I would cry out to Jesus. You know, everybody would say, oh, you've got to get, you know, you got to let Jesus help you. I would cry out to him. Lord Jesus, if you are everything everybody says you are, you and you have the power to transform my life and, and to put me back upright and put me on the track again. You know, Lord, why won't you help me? Why, how can you stand by here and watch all this happening in my life? Where are you at when I need you? Amen. Well, sadly, Sean, every time I cried out to Jesus, he was right there. Every time, there was never a time he wasn't right there. Right there, standing at the door of my heart, knocking. Ellis, open this thing up. Let me in. Let me put back the pieces of this thing. I'm concerned for you, you know. But you know what? There's one thing that Jesus can't do. He can, he can, he can speak the world into existence. He can spread out the heavens with the palm of his hands. He can number the stars and call them all by names. He can number the hairs on our head. He can heal the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds and do it all. He can, he can walk that hill of Calvary with a cross that bears our name on it. He can take our nails. He can take our punishment and pay our and pay the, the penalty for our crimes in this life. And yet you can lead a horse to water and you can't make him drink. There's one thing Jesus can't do for any of us, Sean, and that's choose. That's choose him. In all of those years, that door was locked. I don't have an explanation for that other than the fact that I just didn't think. He loved me. I didn't think there was hope. I was just consumed by a lie that turned into a, a firestorm that nearly consumed my whole life. Wow. You know, that's it. It's, it's pretty deep. Man, I'm just sitting here just listening to you, man. And it's like, like wow. That's all I can say is, wow. I can't. I, I'm like, wow, you know, this is, you know, you, your story is one of perseverance. Your story is one of dedication. Your story is one of, you know, of acceptance and obedience. And I think one of the hardest things for men to do, or just anyone in general, and, and especially believers, is that, you know, especially, men, you know, men, we think that we're, we're the fixers. We need to fix certain things. And we lose that faith or that trust because we have that fear that it's not going to work out unless we do it. But most of the time, you know, in general, people are afraid to surrender because they go and they say surrender, the connotation of surrender is something that is submissive. And they think that the connotation of being submissive is negative. And it's not, you know, when you surrender to the Lord, you're giving everything there. And he's like, hey, man, all he wants is your heart. And once you give him that your heart, he's going to give you the world. Man. You know, and, and so, so, and and you're 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 the epitome of that. You are literally the epitome. Your story, and and you you are the example of that. And, and man, I I can't thank you enough, man. I mean, this is such an incredible story, man. I actually can't wait to to read your book and and your new book that's coming out, Wanted, man. I, I'm super excited. You know, tell us a little bit about that. Well, Wanted was. <clears throat> 
you know, there were so many. I mean, my 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 autobiography, The Potter and the Clay. I mean, it's been adopted for use in in prisons and jails, rescue missions, uh, rehab centers, and you name it. In, in many many states across the country, you know, and stuff. And um, and people, you know, that wanted was written, I believe, in response to Potter and the Clay, because people who read my story and they you know, there's no answer for it other than, you know, as Josh McDowell said, and I wrote that, uh, I my wife's the one that convinced me to tell my story to write the book. And she's the one that really, she's the one that had the discernment, the eyes, the faith to understand what God was doing and what, uh, you know, how to optimize that, to use it to, to be able to communicate a message of hope to people that are in trouble in their lives. And, right. uh, you know, and so, you know, Wanted was was really written to try to answer, to the best of my ability, a lot of those questions they had regarding how did this happen. Well, there's a lot of things in, involved with that, but it was written, you know, Wanted, both these books, you could say they deal with uh, what I call today, Sean, just an ever, ever expanding, increasing epidemic of human suffering, just abnormal unnatural human suffering you know people who've had their foundations pulled out from beneath them through addictions abuse you know rejection loneliness abandonment and even suicide yeah. you know and suicide is a nightmare right now you know and um Excuse me. so uh you know and wanted you know wanted really reflects those really deep profound learning lessons that you know so many of us struggle with and nobody any more than me uh, regarding how deferring to Jesus Christ, you know, will indeed serve as our one true and faithful, you know, it's the one sure life preserver we have when sinking in the murky waters of hopelessness out here, but also the empowering we can experience when we put our trust in Christ completely, who suffered for us all, and from the heart, not just just something, but literally just throwing it out there in abandonment saying, look, this is either better be true or, or else, but what else do you have to lose here? Right. And I can tell you that, you know, the moment I got saved, Satan was right there saying, Hey, who do you think you are? You gotta be kidding. Well, Man. listen, that was the moment. That was, that was a galvanizing moment in my life. Cause I, out of the blue, I mean, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit in me the first time I'd ever experienced, but I said, I just said, wait, you know what? Who says? I mean, I believe God just said he did love me and that this, 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 that. And you know what? Satan, I've listened to you, I've listened to you long enough here. Right. You know what? Until you can prove that wrong, unless you can, I'm standing on this promise right here. You know, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any word of the God, but I believe that God said he loved me and that he had this plan. You know what? I, I I challenge people to do that. I said, listen, the world and Satan right now are on a runaway train. Get off of it mm-hmm. right now. Amen. Just give them an opportunity. Stand on this word. Get read the Bible. See what it says. And you know what? You want you want to find hope and healing? Just just stand on that word right there. Let the world, let Satan prove it, and you will learn the same thing that I did. 
the truth that that you know will set you free amen amen i agree 100 percent, man man dude i can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story man this is Man, I, I'm, I truly am impacted, man. I, I, I really am. I, I, oh, my gosh, man. It just, you know, to, to know that there are other people out there that, that really, that, that not only just love the Lord, but they've, they've taken and they've become obedient and, and they've listened to what God has said and they're making a difference. And they're making a difference not for themselves, but for the Lord. And the Lord is using them as that example. And, and you you, like I said, man, you are that epitome, man. You are that epitome of what God can do to anyone. So, you know. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, it, 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 my life, I mean, I'm just, he's the potter. I am the clay, you know. I'm my father. I'm the poema there, my father's workmanship. But I'm just a demonstration. I mean, I literally, uh, my life, my life sent you know it represents a message that there is no human life beyond god's infinite desire to love and to know and there's no situation pain center failure beyond his desire to forgive heal and restore if we will just meet the lord and come to him on his terms and uh in true biblical humility and stuff but uh you know i tell people that you know i wrote a song here just recently that you know people just love it and it's called handwritten letter from god you know that i say that you know when the only thing left you know between the bookends when the story's been told from beginning to end is just a line and the vine dresser and the vine you know did you ever really know that person in the mirror the sanctity engraved upon the tablets of your heart here on the wine press in the garden or the vats keep overflowing with tears, you know. You know, our lives are handwritten letters from God. We're addressed to the world to be read by all. You know, actions speak louder than words, and our lives will ultimately, in time, they're going to determine without saying a word, you know, what we truly believed in this life there. Right. And what I've found true is just exactly what Josh McDowell said. My life you know presents a dilemma for anybody who reads it it's a, it's a story so compelling that in the words of Jack, josh mcdowell it absolutely leaves you no choice it demands a verdict to the existence of an all-loving all-powerful god to the validity of his word and the fact that you know it, we were created for a purpose there sean and there is nothing like living that life and discovering that purpose for what you're created for. There is nothing that compare to the fulfillment, to the joy, the satisfaction of knowing that we have discovered who we are in Christ. And, uh, you know, and, and again, my life, uh, you know, I, I'm not proud of anything in the past. I mean, there's nothing there, but um, it really does just it really does just leave you with no other choice than to realize that you know the choice is ours yeah the choice yeah. is ours god's not going to turn nobody back you know he's not willing that any should perish or sean that all would come to the repentance and um you know it's the it's it's just this ultra you know 
ultra seducing, you know, complex, you know, lie out yeah. there on steroids that Satan has begun to sow over the years and, you know, that has spread throughout the, you know, around the planet now that, you know, that people are just consumed with this postmodern society right now. They're consumed by, you know, the, uh, you know, just this, this mentality that, um, you know, victim type mentality. I don't know what you call it, but it's, it's I, I would really call it, I would call it that it's a victim type of mentality. And yeah, it's, it's you're you're spot on, man. You're spot on. And so they're they're just caught in that. It's just like a tsunami that just carried them away there. But, you know, there's no, you know, they fight so hard for these things. And when they get them, they discover that life is so much even worse than it was before. And listen, there's only one answer for, for the most, it's, it's the simplest answer to the most complex, mind-blowing, uh, juggernaut dilemma since the foundation of the of the world <laughs> and that is christ amen crucified you know that is you know that uh our hope you know is not seen but it is a hope that is lasting and it's eternal and is powerful amen Amen. Absolutely, man. You, you know, Ellis, thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I mean, you, you're absolutely, it, it, you're awe-inspiring is really what it is, man. And guys, you can go out and you can get Ellis's book um, and you visit ellislucas.com and you can find them there and and learn more about them because this, this is the kind of man that we really need to look to when when we are so down and out and in a situation where you know where he was just ready to go and he was ready to give up and god came in and said no mm -hmm. I, you know it just just the way it says you know you know god doesn't call the qualified you know he oh, oh yeah qualifies the called so you know it, it that's that's the way it is you know and, and you're you got called and because you were already qualified. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's incredible. So thank you again, Ellis. I really yeah. appreciate spending time with me and yeah. program today. Well, hey, Sean, I just want to tell people, tell you, tell your listeners out there, look, if, you know, if you can't afford a book, man, if you're in some kind of a disaster, you know, some kind of a, you know, just go to ellislucas.com to the contact page. You know, send me a message. You know, I want to hear from you. But if you don't have the money or something and you want to read my story, just get a hold of me. I'll make sure you got a copy of it to read there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't care who they are. If, if they're struggling, I, I want I, I have a message for them there. And it's and it's a message, of, you know, that is literally to stop people dead in their tracks and 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 send people running to Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Man, you're awesome, dude. I really appreciate you, man. And everybody, that all his links are going to be in the show notes. You know, and again, Ellis, I appreciate you. God bless you, man. Thank you for coming oh, man. on. 
Oh, Sean, thank you for having me. I tell you, sitting, sitting here looking at you here while we're on these videos, uh, and I'm thinking, man, that's my brother. We, me and him, we, we should be out there hanging out and having a great time right now. You got it, rolling. man. Absolutely, man. This is a lifelong friendship right here, brother. I appreciate yeah, you, man. I'm feeling that kindred spirit in this cat. So, yes. hey, we, we uh, Man, keep keeping keep keep focus on my website and stuff because we do uh one of our wanted events and stuff. You know we have a lot of big name artists and uh, they're they're just powerful events there. And come out and join us, Sean. Come out and you know speak, do something, share your story. I don't care. Absolutely, I'd be more than happy to. Be more than happy to bring the faithfully led tribe with me. Absolutely. Bring the tribe down here. Yes, absolutely. So yes. anyhow, God bless you, man. God bless your listeners out there. And um, anyhow, thank you, brother, so much. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. And guys, remember, always be blessed and be a blessing. Thanks, guys.